Hello, universe. <clears throat> well, it's been a while, and here we are in episode 233. And um, I, uh, I've done two open mics since last we spoke, and I have a third one queued up for tonight. And since I failed to record my second open night, Mike, um, and totally even forgot the first night to, to think about it, which wouldn't have been one worth recording anyway. But the second one would have been, which was two nights ago. Um, well, I'm going to tack on at the end of this, the set that I do tonight, which will be my 5.5. I've done, this will be my fifth open mic uh, set and I've gone to a class where I did a performance, so I count that as a half a one. So this will be number five and a half. And I still haven't managed to stick to the material that I walk up with. That uh, probably will repeat again tonight, and I'll find myself saying things I don't know what I'm talking about. But whatever it is, I'm going to put it on the end of this. And document, at least for my own posterity, my 5.5... My, yeah, whatever. Five and a half attempt at trying stand-up comedy. And I really don't have much to work with here. In fact, what I'm going to go in with, I'm going to lead with a joke that is um, walking up with uh, an alcoholic beverage and sticking it on the stool and saying, I'm still not quite sure what the appropriate combination of chemical imbalance for this appearance is, I know it doesn't involve meth, but other than that, I'm still trying to figure it out. So pardon the beer. And then talk about how conflict generally is something that I seem to be living with more and more these days. Like, I don't really want to hurt anything. I never want to hurt anything. I shoo flies out of my house. I, I let spiders out the front door. But Boy, if it doesn't feel good to kill a mosquito. I mean, maybe the best feeling things that have happened to me in June all involve killing mosquitoes. And you know what feels even better than killing a mosquito? Is killing a mosquito that's currently biting you. And then that blood, oh, it's your blood, but you got that, oh, that one feels good. You know what feels even better than that? Silk boxers. Seriously. If those things weren't so fragile... I would wear nothing but silk boxers. But that's not really what I came here to talk about because you comedians, a room full of comics, the harshest critics there are for what's funny in the world, well, I respect you. I, I admire your tenacity and I certainly will never grow tired of people trying to make the world laugh. But, oh my God, are you guys a depressing group. Seriously. Um, and then go off from there. And I'm not going to uh, wander too far. And that, and all of this, um, I should say, that's where I'm at right now. I was somewhere totally different an hour ago. And in an hour, I'll probably be somewhere totally different. I've got a bunch of jokes that I haven't gotten to, like my jury joke or my, uh, my uh, Craigslist joke or my uh, white guys can't negotiate joke or... I don't know. I've got a few uh, like ready to go jokes, um, 
but I don't know how good they are, and frankly, they don't really have any flow, so I just kind of have to say them, and then go on to the next one. Oop, hang on, pause. Like, here's a phrase I heard recently that is one I know I hoped to never hear in life, which is, I can confirm that you are, in fact, living in a house infested with black widows. Oh, well, confirmation is great. I was just afraid that maybe that was the case. Now that I know that's the case, well, fuck. And it puts you in a predicament that really there's not much you can do about. Um, a lot like when your roommate says something like, you know, I just have a higher tolerance for filth than most people. Yes, yes, sir, I agree. I think, I think that statement's fair. I just don't see how I'm going to rectify a situation where that's the statement made and I'm just going to live with it, like these black widows. So that's why I gave up roommates. They suck. All right, so I got some work to do on that one. But the... Uh, no, I'm not going to do that either. The notebook full of stuff that I have got going now, I have to start crafting into a routine. And this is the thing that I talked to about with somebody on Wednesday, or two nights ago, Tuesday night. Because right now, currently, oh, hello, it's, uh, what day is today? Today is Thursday, that much I do know. It is the 15th of June. Hey, 15th of June, we're halfway through June. Um... The, the reality here is if you want to pontificate and circuitously wander around subject matter that you forget you're even talking about, well, that's what podcasts are for. But if you want to spend five minutes making people laugh, well, that's what fucking economy of language is for. Like, tighten up the joke. Get ready. Make a laugh. And while I have things that I think are funny, getting to them, as I just proved with that whole roommate routine, I don't have the economy of language at all, no brevity in my uh, presentation whatsoever. And so to tighten up your jokes, you must continue telling them to audiences. In fact, at this point, I would stop someone at a bus stop and say, hey, you mind if I tell you a joke? Because I need to start working it over and over and over again, and saying it into the mirror, into a recording is not enough. Getting the reaction of real people is enough. And getting the reaction of comedians, well, that's a beatdown. Because comedians really are the least likely to give you a laugh of all. Because to get a laugh from a comedian, you have to think of something so clever that it's more clever than anything they thought of in their own head, and so clever that they think, wow, I wonder if I would have thought of that, and then, if it's funny, then maybe they'll laugh. And that's still just a maybe. So, with comedians, what you're really doing is you're running your material in front of a room that gives you uh, no air. And that's good. That gives you um, a lot of confidence when you work in an environment in which you're actually getting laughs. People are... They're in a jovial mood looking to laugh instead of looking to criticize the construction of your joke. That is a much harder room to work. So having started open my comedy nights in front of those rooms, 
means I don't expect laughs. In fact, I don't expect laughs at all. But if you don't at least start crafting the joke in a way that you can continually deliver the next and then the next and then the next idea, well, I'll never create new flow. So given that that's how I really have to present myself to stay within myself on stage, well, that's what I'll be attempting to do tonight. So what I was going to do here is try to go through my sequence of materials crafted so far and come up with um, at least some thematic pull that I can use to get across, like relationships, for instance. Because one of the things that I have a lot to say about is relationships with um, those that you live with. I have a few jokes there. So <clears throat> can I roll those into ways that I am tough to live with? Because here's 10 things I'm terrible at. Um, those kinds of things, maybe I could run into some thematic presentation. But even if I were to come up with a five-minute uh, routine that I could say into the microphone right here, I would never be able to repeat it with any level of of uh, accuracy doing it in front of the microphone because as soon as you stand in front of the microphone, everything just disappears. It goes so surreal. And essentially, you're up there on your own saying things that I don't even know where they come from. If I'm channeling spirits, I suppose I'm only doing it on open mic nights at comedy uh, uh, venues because of the four times I've done this, even the, the class, what I go up trying to say, I don't say at all. And how crazy is that, right? And I, I don't even really know what I say. I mean, I've got one recorded, so I do know what I said for that one. But it's so not comedy, I don't really know how to explain it. So if I can somehow get up on stage tonight and wander through how I think instead of a jury of our peers, we should be using a jury of our peers, well, then I think I'll have achieved something, even if that joke is terrible. I'll get to a point where at least I said what I intended to say and got out of my mouth the routine of, uh, of setup and punchline that I hoped would land a giggle. So far, I don't even know if, I, if I've said anything funny because I've said nothing of intent. I've just wandered into subconscious uh, oh my God, what am I saying land before I can even realize what I am saying. So, <clears throat> um, what else did I want to talk about? Oh, the need for a babysitter or a savior or looking for someone to come fix shit is something I've never felt. One of the reasons I really don't believe the religions ever could capture my attention was I just don't get the idea that we're waiting for somebody else to fix our problems. Why aren't we fixing them ourselves? What does a savior even look like? I mean, is it Superman? Because I do have a superpower, and I didn't even realize it until probably 15 years ago. And that's another thing about getting old. You just realize stuff because over time it beats you over the head so much that you're like, hey, I guess that must be something I can count on like my superpower, which is slipping but not falling. And while that's not 
the kind of superpower that gets you into a spandex costume. It's a useful superpower because anytime you're in a slippery dish room area in a restaurant and you're carrying a bunch of dishes, you may slip, but you won't fall. And that is impressive to almost everybody who works in a restaurant. So, uh, obviously, I wanted something of substance in my 333rd episode. I don't think there's a more important episode numerically in the first 1,000 than this. Which is why I'm willing to put my stand-up routine, whatever it is tonight, on the end of this recording and stand by where it all started. And where it all finishes, who fucking knows, man? That class made me realize that if you're going to get into the business that is comedy, on-stage comedy, going from town to town, saying your jokes, you're going to polish an act. You're going to have 20 minutes of material ready to go for whatever audience is in front of you and ready to react to those audiences with the best of your material, the way you have delivered it the most consistently, returning a laugh. That's what you're going to do. That's comedy. That's the business of comedy. And if you can't get comfortable saying the same thing night after night after night, well then, maybe you're in the wrong business. But if you think about it, you don't have, you don't have the luxury of coming into a situation where people want to laugh and then finding out what it is that makes them laugh. So polishing up 20 minutes of material that makes a room full of people more often than not enjoy themselves in laughter is an achievement in itself. I now see how hard that is, that alone, which I did not understand coming into this. But having seen it, I'm not in any way um, um, unsure of my ability to fulfill those 20 minutes, hell, an hour to whatever. Life's got too much funny in it. And I may not have my 10 things I'm worse at than stand-up comedy list nailed down, but I know having get the trash out on trash day on that list, taking a picture of something as I'm taking it apart so I know how to put it back together, owning earbuds. I mean, those are funny things. And the concept itself is funny. And it's self-deprecating in a way that we all recognize that we suck at things like getting the trash out on trash day or forgetting to put the softener in the laundry detergent or whatever it is. But we all have routines that we try to adhere to that we can't and we feel somewhat almost limited by that consistent lack of potential realize. Well, those kinds of themes, those are familiar. Finding the comedy in those themes, that's what gives you 20 minutes of material that works in Iowa or India or Iran. So, having seen now what I'm up against to deliver a message that I thought I would just deliver with ease, well, I welcome the challenge. I look forward to crafting something that says, this is why we're hurt. This is why we don't need to be shameful, disappointed, guilty, or held back by previous circumstances. And this is what we can do going forward to continue smiling 
as the human race. Even racism. Like, why, why is it called racism when we're the human race? Shouldn't it be like sub-racism? Subcategories? Because once the lizard people show up, does racism just go away at that point? Now we have lizards and we have humans. So how do you have racism against humans? You have racism against other races, like the lizard race. Not that I want to be racist, not that I encourage racism, not that I even think racism exists as anything other than a way to divide us based on our fear of the other. Well, I don't fear the other. I don't fear anything. I fear the idea that we think we need a savior to fix our problems. I fear the idea that we don't know how much hurt we cause everything when we don't love ourselves to our full potential. And I fear that as I get to know more and more of what makes comedy a business, I'm going to hate that side of it because capitalism fucking sucks. But there's no better place for me to be working from within, trying to influence change of real consequence than on that stage. And so, as hmm, mediocre, I can aspire to be mediocre. Can I even achieve you don't have to retake the class? If this were pass-fail, I would so be expecting to fail. But for now, I'm optimistic about what everything is in front of me in life. Well, other than that falling in love part. That part sucked. And still does. But we've got to have some downside in life or else we don't appreciate the upside. A perfect life I've never wanted. A rewarding life. A fulfilling life. A life that makes me feel like my destiny is being realized. Well, I hate to say that the stand-up stage is where it feels the most realized, but for now, I couldn't be happier. So with that in mind... Well, here's Jelly. Hello, universe. So I suppose what I've learned is that I do not know how to record myself in public in a bar situation with an open mic, but it's audible. Out of four recordings I tried to make this week, I've got one that's listenable. So, uh, as frustrating as it is to admit defeat, I have to succumb to my own audio inefficiencies and say, I can do better. I will continue documenting all of my open mics. If it's listenable, I will share. Otherwise, as the three that are currently being forever disappeared into the bin, well, plenty of room to do better. But... Here is my open mic at my second appearance in the one place I've done two appearances. So enjoy. Welcome to the stage, John Copeland. So I'm officially going to sit because I don't think I've truly earned the moniker of stand-up comedian. Oh, yes, you Let me explain. 
This is the second time I've ever done this. And despite the enthusiasm of the person to my left, what I recognize is I am 53 years old and I am sitting in front of all of you for the first time, well, actually I recognize two of you, because I feel like the world broke at some point and, and I was here for it, but I didn't even notice it happening. And it's disappointing because I've basically just been fucking around for my whole life, so it's not like I couldn't have done more than I did to make the situation better. I just didn't know the situation was gonna go this haywire. So, speaking to you 18 people in a way that matters to me, comedy is the only salve that's left that makes a difference. <clears throat> so I quit my job, which was only a job at Home Depot, so that's not a big deal. But I quit my job and decided I'm going to learn how to communicate to the masses in a way that recovers everything that broke while I wasn't paying attention. So, what I thought I'd start with tonight is all the things I learned from the first night I did this to the second night I'm doing this. And I think you all are very funny. You're all extremely talented. I like how much energy you guys put into all this. It's amazing. But I don't think that you get enough reinforcement as to how much you matter in a daily routine. Like, all of you are trying to make the world laugh more. You're trying to do the thing that makes everything better. And yet, you're all so worried about the last time it was that somebody told you you were attractive. It doesn't matter. The truth is, the only thing that matters in life is the moment you're experiencing right now. This very second. And if you're doing something that matters to you, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about that shit. Just tell them to fuck off. Exactly. And what's hardest about getting up here to do comedy is the idea that you're even funny enough to be worthy of the microphone. Because all of us have done sit-down comedy. Every single one of us has made somebody laugh at some point, probably pee their pants at some point because we were so funny in the moment. But to stand up and be funny is to say, I don't even know you, but I've got enough to say that I can make you laugh even if you're in a pissy mood like the last comedian. So to try to think that you're worthy of that, well, it has me sitting down. Because I don't necessarily believe that I'm as funny or funnier than anybody else in this room except that I'm funnier than everybody else in this room because you guys aren't that funny. So, the idea that I can't emerge through the voice of comedy to say something of purpose to a, an entire society that is just lost in all kinds of mismanagement of their own individual influences, well, I know I can. And I know that this is probably the last place where we can save the soul of America is conversation one-on-one, -on -one, or one-on-18, or one-on-18,000. But it matters that we quit looking at our phone for reinforcement that our lives are worth a shit. Right. And we start looking up at each other and saying, I don't know, I thought you were pretty funny, and frankly, I'd like to hang out with you and have more interface time than go check your Facebook update. I don't give a fuck what's on Facebook. I give a fuck about the conversation right in front of me.
And the enthusiastic applause doesn't hurt. So what I learned between last week and this week is one, use the microphone, and two, be funny. And it's hard to be funny when you're trying to cast a structural joke to a room full of people who don't know you. That's right. And so the only real joke that I wrote between the last time I did this and this time I did this, well, I figured it had to be about sex because that's all y'all talk about. <laughs> so to me, porn came along at a time when it was just unnecessary. Like, it was gratuitous to the nth degree. So I've never really had a favorite category of porn because my favorite category of porn has never changed, and that's participatory. Good night.